Hi guys, welcome to Mom Jeans and Crime Scenes. I'm Trish Strink and I'm your host. And I am doing my second episode on Martin McNeil. Um, he is a Utah doctor who killed his wife. And um, I chose the story because I remember when it happened and it freaking ticked me off. It made me so mad and it took him forever to just even arrest the guy. And so this is a story I've been like really interested in talking about and nobody has heard about it. Like most of my friends have not heard about this. So I have no one to talk to. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. So the story starts in Provo, Utah. And Martin and Michelle McNeil and their family were by all, like all accounts, the perfect family. You look at them and they're they're beautiful. They have beautiful children. They have everything all together. Martin is a doctor. Michelle's a doting wife. Things could not look more perfect for the McNeil family. And these kids are so happy with their life. They feel like they've got the best life ever. But on April 11th, 2007, this is all going to change for them. We have the police department for medical Okay, what's the problem, sir? Three medical. Sir, what's wrong? Who's in the bathtub? Who's in the bathtub? My wife. Okay, is she conscious? She's not. I'm a physician. Okay, sir. Sir, I need to come. Sir, I, I can't understand you. Okay, can you calm down just a little bit? Okay, what? Your wife is unconscious. She is unconscious. She's under the water. Okay, did you did you get her out of the water? I did. I just got out of the water. I'm the only one. She's under the water. She is under the water. I'm the only one who's getting the ambulance. Okay, is she breathing at all? She is not. Okay, sir, the ambulance has been paid. Michelle Marie Summers in Concord, California. Now, she was an absolute knockout, you guys. And, like, when I say that she was beautiful, it's not my opinion. It's a fact. Like, she was gorgeous, and I don't think anyone can disagree with it. She was beautiful. Not only was she beautiful, but she was sweet and kind. Her siblings loved her. Her sisters absolutely adored her and felt so thankful to have her as a sister. Her parents adored her. And she got straight A's, she was a cheerleader, she was a beauty queen, she kind of just took over the world. She she played the violin, like all these things that you just want to be, Michelle was it. She was even crowned Miss Concord one year, like she's just incredible. 
Um, another thing that Michelle did is she traveled to Switzerland for school for a semester. Like she just went after her dreams and she just, she's just incredible. Now, Michelle was a devout member of the LDS church and she was in charge of helping with an LDS, um, like the LDS church does a lot of like activities for men and women who are not married to kind of help each other meet their future spouses. So she was in charge of one of these activities and she meets Martin McNeil. And Martin's upbringing is vastly different from what Michelle had grown up with. He had several brothers and sisters and they all grew up not with a lot of money from what I understand, kind of just rough. Like their parents were pretty pretty out of the picture. They were not doting on them like Michelle had. Also, according to Martin, his mother would bring home men and would have sex with them and the kids could hear this. They could hear her entertaining her boyfriends all night long. And you can imagine like if that's true, what that would do to a child. Like he just had kind of a rough growing up and all of his siblings all of them had problems growing up. Like they really, really struggled. And Martin, I think that he didn't want to be that. I think that he didn't want to struggle. And so he kind of like got these ideas in his head that he was more than that and better than that. And he was into acting and the like theatrics. So he was kind of just a theatrical person. He was loud and he was boisterous and he was like commanding of the attention. And he really just thought the world of himself. When he was 17 years old, he joined the army. And he was only in the army for a couple of years before he told them that he was having some problems, like he was schizophrenic and bipolar and that he just wasn't able to serve in the army. And so they discharged him honorably. And because of this discharge, he was given $3,000 a month for decades, okay? So he, well, he's pretty cunning. Like he just he kind of knew what he was doing to play his cards the right way to get what he wanted. Um, so he kind of became obsessed with somebody who was um, doing fraud and things like that, kind of like a con artist. And he's like, I can do this way better than other people. And he bragged to his friends, like I could con people and I would be way better than anyone else, not get in trouble, not get busted. So he decided to steal a bunch of checks and well, actually, no, he didn't even steal a check. Like, he, he was so brilliant. He didn't even have to steal them. He got a hold of a birth certificate. He convinced a friend that he needed a birth certificate. This birth certificate belonged to his father. And so the friend got him the birth certificate, and he opened up a bank account with it. He um, got a driver's license with it, and he went on this shopping spree. And he decided that he was going to do the shopping spree during Labor Day weekend because he felt like that would maybe keep the banks from kind of getting on his case. He'd be able to kind of navigate that a little bit better and get away with more. So he goes on this giant shopping spree and he just bought a house or an apartment and he needed to furnish it. So he goes and buys furniture. He's buying clothes. He shoes, jewelry. He bought 60 pairs of socks, you guys. Like who needs 60 pairs of socks? Besides my husband, who needs 60 pairs of socks? So he like, he just he keeps saying like, I don't really need this stuff. I just, I bought it because it's, I can do it. Like he didn't have any need for any of this. And he even bought a life, lifetime supply of chocolate-covered cherries. Like, he was really just kind of grandiose with this. Well, because of this lavish spending, 
they it kind of got them on his trail and he was actually arrested for this and so when he met Michelle he was kind of dealing with this and also he had served a mission and while he was on his mission he got sent home because he was having according to him um some schizophrenic or some kind of mental issues going on and so it was a pretty scary thing for the church they sent him home they're like this guy is not shouldn't be here so he gets sent home and he meets Michelle Okay, and they fall like madly in love. And he's really a handsome guy. He's really good looking. Like I said, he's really like thinks highly of himself. He's boisterous. He's got like a bold personality. And Michelle is instantly attracted to him. Well, her family is not so much attracted to him as she is. In fact, they really do not like him. And they find out about the fraud. They find out about his mission and these red flags are going up and they're trying to convince her, maybe you should kind of get away from him. And at some point, Michelle kind of thinks like, maybe I should get away from this guy. I'm seeing these red flags too. And she goes to break it off and he he threatens to commit suicide. And so Michelle in her sweet little heart, she's like, I can't have that happen. And so she makes things work with him and they run off and they elope, okay? So the family finds out like this fraud deal is, probably a bigger deal than what Michelle even knows. And so they go to tell her and he's already married her. And so he takes her away from the family and like really puts a big wedge in between the family. And it's really a a sad thing for all of them. So um, he, after the he elopes, they kind of get, they get busy really fast. They have five, four kids in five years. Like, they did not wait any waste any time on this on these babies and Michelle is like so happy she's got she's a mom and like everything else she's done she puts everything she's got into being a mom she's like the best mom in the world her kids are dressed immaculately they're beautiful perfect little family and while she's taking care of her family he's becoming a doctor and a lawyer he like does law school he doesn't actually pass the bar or practice as a lawyer but he goes he goes on and does law school but he becomes a doctor and he moves his family around as he's going to school and looking for jobs and eventually they land in Provo Utah and he gets some prestigious jobs while he's in Utah and um one of the jobs he's actually asked by the governor to come and take a position with one of the state facilities so I don't know what it is, Mar- something about Martin. He's able to like convince people that he's the right man for this job. And he's super arrogant. Like people don't really like Martin. They like, he is difficult to deal with. He's not a nice guy. And his family, his children, they always feel like they're constantly having to kind of apologize for his behavior. Like even his own daughters have said in interviews, people hated their father. And so they felt like they were constantly like making excuses for his bad behavior. But when he was home, he was this devoted, great father and husband. Like they felt like they knew the real Martin and they weren't really sure what his deal was outside of the home, but they just, they felt his love when they were at the home. So I don't know. It's just kind of interesting how um, different, how very different he was out in public versus how he was with his family. So anyways, um, these kids think that they have like this perfect family. And honestly, it's not even kind of perfect. There are 
lots of times where Martin is cheating on his wife or he's looking at pornography. And if you're in the Mormon church, the LDS church, you know that pornography is not, not something the church really tolerates. So she's devastated by this. And not only is he a member of the LDS church, but he's an important ranking member of the LDS church. In in some parts of their relationship, he's actually the bishop a couple of times in different words. So he knows better and she's just like heartbroken. And there's times where she will kind of call him out on it and he'll like threaten to commit suicide. At one point he threatens to kill her. Like it's it's kind of scary. And um, this is something that the, the girls, I don't think his, his kids really know about. I think that Damien, their youngest son, he... Um, he knows a little bit about it. And I think that he like actually comes into um, a fight one day and sees his dad with a knife and threatening his mom. So, um, but other than that, I think that like the girls, Alexis, Rachel, and Vanessa, they're really, they just don't see this. Um, at some point though, um, Michelle kind of starts to get, like she starts getting suspicious. He's got these amazing jobs, but he only holds on to these jobs for a little while. And then he's moving on to the next, but little does she know, he's actually getting into trouble at work. Like at one point at BYU, he is accused of having inappropriate relationships with patients. And so he has to leave that job and he just jumps around and somehow he's able to get these prestigious jobs, even though he keeps getting in trouble at these other places. And even these other places end up hiring him back. Like it's really crazy, like how he's able to manipulate his way into whatever it is that he wants. Well, he has an affair with a lady named Anna. And Anna is kind of interesting. He has some interesting pillow talk with Anna. And he tells her that he is kind of obsessed with murder and with um, suicide. And he tells her that he tried to murder his mom when he was eight years old. And he also tells her that he murdered his brother and that he drowned him in a bathtub. Um, there's just kind of weird things that he says to Anna. And you would think that Anna would be like, what in the hell is wrong with this guy? But she just likes him more and more as he's telling her these things. So it's really weird. And I've got a theory about this and I want to come back and visit this at some point in the video because I think it is interesting that he says these things to Anna um, and she just continues to fall in love with him. So we'll come back and visit that. But at some point, Martin kind of gets bored of Anna and he meets a lady named Gypsy Jillian Willis. And Gypsy um, kind of becomes his life. Like he falls madly in love with her and they have an affair for several years. He takes her on lavish trips. Um, he lies about having to stay at work to spend time with Gypsy. And Michelle kind of starts to like get suspicious of this as well. And she's like, something's going on. Like I really feel like something's happening. And she confides in her daughter about this. Her daughter, um, she's she asks her to go check on him at work to see if he's there. And there's times where he's not. At one point, he's going to go on a trip. And he, her daughter follows him. And she gets into his trunk while he's away from the car. And she realizes that the stuff in his trunk is not his. It actually belongs to Gypsy, to another woman. And so she confronts him about it. And he, I think that he kind of makes her feel like she's wrong and kind of talks her out of this. And he ends up actually staying with her for the night instead of going off with Gypsy. And then later on, he um, meets up with Gypsy later. So he's, like I said, super manipulative at this little game of his. But um, he, oh, another thing he does, you know, this is, this is friggin' nuts. So 
for one of their anniversaries, Michelle and um, Martin's anniversaries, there is some hot, amazing sex going on. But it is not with his wife. He is with Gypsy on their anniversary having an affair while Michelle is at home taking care of kids. And she's kind of, you know, Michelle's just now to the point, like, she's really suspicious. So you know what Martin does? He's like, we're going to adopt some kids. We need to adopt more kids. And he adopts, they adopt three girls from Ukraine, okay? And it's Ella, um, oh, I'm going to forget the names, Ella, Giselle, and um, Sabrina. And they are beautiful little girls. Like, they're gorgeous. And they come over, and Michelle adores them. And their daughter, Vanessa, also has a daughter. She's just not in a position where she's able to take care of her daughter. So Michelle and Martin also adopt her daughter Ada and so Michelle is like consumed by these little girls and being a mom and so this kind of gives Martin some free time with Gypsy and kind of um developing that relationship well he starts to get vain right around the age of 50 they said about 50 years old like there's a switch in him and he starts kind of being mean to Michelle and he's just like ready to start a relationship, I think, with Gypsy. And he's working out. He's tanning. He's worried about the way he, he looks. And his daughters even say it's really weird. In the middle of a conversation, he just like starts doing push-ups or like working out. It's just really bizarre behavior. And they're just like, what the heck? And Michelle, at this point, she's like really concerned. She knows, you know, she suspects that there's been affairs in the past. Now she expects or suspects that there's an affair now. So she confronts him about it. And he's like, girl, you know, it's not me, it's you. Like, maybe you should get a facelift and things would be better. And she's like, what? Okay, Martin, do you really think that gorgeous wife of yours needs a facelift? Like, even at 50, Michelle was gorgeous. Like, there is no reason at all for him to suggest a facelift. But he is so passionate about this idea. She needs a facelift. So she at first she's like I don't really want to do this but I mean if this is going to save our marriage like okay I guess I'll do it so he takes her um to a couple of doctor's appointments their oldest daughter Vanessa joins and you know Vanessa and Michelle are trying to kind of talk Martin into like delaying the surgery for the summer you know it's springtime and um he's like you know I think we need to do it now Vanessa will be home for spring break, we don't need to wait for her to be home for summer break. We'll just do it next week. So he like schedules everything for next week. And they, sh- they go to a few doctor's appointments. And while they're at one of the appointments with the plastic surgeon, Martin comes up with this list of pills and things that he thinks needs to be given to her. Like Ambien, there's Percocet, there's um, Phenergan, Lortab, and um, what was the other one? There was another one too to help her sleep. I think it's ambient. Did I already say ambient? I don't know. But I'm going to list them. I'll put, put like a list up here for you guys to see what he had said that they needed to subscribe. That's not the word either. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, we're just going to put a list of different pills that um, that he thought that needed to be um, to given to her. And this plastic surgeon's like, I don't really think she needs these pills, but Martin's a doctor, so maybe he knows what he's talking about so he goes ahead and he's reluctant but he prescribes that's the word i'm looking for prescribes the pills to michelle and they schedule the surgery and michelle goes in and has surgery 
So Vanessa stays home with Michelle for a little while to help Martin. At first, he's kind of the one that's giving Michelle her medications. And Vanessa comes home one day. Sorry, not Vanessa. It is um, Alexis. Alexis comes home one day and she's like, something's wrong with mom. Like, Michelle's groggy. She's not easy to wake up. She's obviously over-medicated. And this is super concerning to Alexis. And so she goes to her dad and she's like, how in the hell many pills did you give mom? Like you gave her way too many. And he's like, oh, maybe I did. Maybe I gave her too much. And like kind of laughs it off. And she's like, no more. I'm I'm in charge from now on over all the medications for mom. And so she's take she like completely takes care of her mom. And her mom one day grabs her. And she's um, she's got, because of this full surgery, like, he had her, you guys, it wasn't just a few nips and tucks. Like this was a full plastic surgery, a full facelift that he had her do. And so she has patches over her eyes. She's really swollen and she grabs her daughter and she's like, I can't see. I need you to help me fill all these pills. I need to see what your dad's giving me. I need to be able to count these pills and just know. And she says to her daughter, you know, if something happens to me, please make sure it wasn't your dad. Please make sure your dad didn't do this. And her daughter is like, mom, like, that's like, that wouldn't that be like a terrifying thing for your mom to say to you? And Alexis really didn't know what to think about it. So she agrees, like, you know, if anything happens, like, you know, I'll make sure that, that it wasn't dad, but we're not going to let anything happen to you. So Michelle starts to feel better. She's able to, to move around on her own. She doesn't need the medications as much. Alexis goes back to school. She go, leaves Utah and Martin is left with Michelle. And April 11th comes along, um, 2007. And she calls up Alexis and she's in good spirits. She's like, oh my gosh, your dad is being so nice to me. And I feel really great. And she's just like really peppy. And she's planning on going to pick up Ada and um, from school that day. Like she's just excited about everything. And so Alexis is like, oh good, mom's feeling good. Everything's great. And that is the very last time Alexis will ever talk to her mom. Now, Martin is at work while all of this is supposedly going on. So he is at work and he, he makes like his work schedule for that day really difficult. Like he really plans the day out. He makes, he, there's a, a fair going on, like a safety fair going on. And he's supposed to get an award at this fair. And he like, make sure that the timing for this award, and he makes it so difficult for the planners. He wants to make sure that he can prove that he is at this fair at the time, like at certain times, like he's just really meticulous. He's so good about covering his tracks. He makes sure that he gets pictures at certain times at the fair. Like it's just really bizarre, his behavior. And he um, leaves at around 11 o'clock, 11.15, and he goes to get his daughter Ada from school. Um, he had called Michelle and he told her, don't go get Ada. I just want you to rest. I'll go pick up Ada. So he goes and picks up Ada from school and Ada and him go home. And Ada is like, where's mom? I, you know, I want to find mom. And, um, he's like, why don't you go look for your mom? So he sends her upstairs and she runs to the bed, the bedroom and she can't find her mom. And so she runs into the bathroom and she finds her mom in bathtub and her mom is unresponsive. And Ada approaches the bathtub and she can see her mom is fully dressed. She can see that there's brown water in the bathtub and she's like, dad. And she yells for her dad and Martin comes running up the stairs. So he 
approaches and he sees his wife in the bathtub. And he yells to Ada, please go get help. And so Ada runs and he goes and gets, she goes and gets help from the neighbors. So while Ada is gone, Martin calls 911. And he calls 911 and it's really interesting. He calls them and he's screaming and yelling at the dispatcher on the other end. And she can't really understand him. He doesn't give her information about where they live. He says, you know, I'm trying to, to get my wife. She's not responding. And he hangs up on the 911 dispatcher. And she's like, oh, I didn't get a location for this guy. So she tries to call back again. She gets a hold of him. He's so annoyed that she's asking questions. He's telling her, I'm, I'm a doctor. I'm performing CPR. He hangs up on her again. She gets a hold of him again. And he's super agitated. She gets an address from him. But the address that he gives is not, it's either an impartial address or not the right address at all. Like they send help. They cannot find him anywhere. Like it takes this amazing dispatcher. She really had to work hard to figure out where he's at. So Ada goes, she gets neighbors. Martin's supposedly performing CPR on his wife whose life was in the bathtub. So she's laying in the bathtub and he's saying that he's giving her CPR. Just kind of think about that because I think that's really strange. But anyways, so the neighbors come and he sees the, the two female neighbors and he tells them, like, I don't want your help. I want a man's help pulling her out. You guys can't help me. And soon after that, one of the neighbor's husband, he comes in and they pull Michelle out of the tub and at this point, everyone's recollection of what Michelle's wearing is different. According to Martin, she was fully dressed. According to the neighbors, she was only partially dressed from the, the waist up. And their description of what she's wearing is also different. So it's kind of hard to know exactly what her situation is. But Ada and all the neighbors agree that Michelle was in the bathtub. Her full body was in the bathtub. Her head was up by the spout and her knees were bent She's facing upwards. They all agree that that is the position that they find her in. So they pull her out and they begin CPR. And Martin is giving her breaths while the neighbors are doing the chest compressions. And they notice that her color is not good. Her color is kind of a green color. She's got mucus all over her. She just does not look good. And the neighbor notices that Martin is not getting any of this mucus on him. And he keeps... The neighbor keeps thinking to himself, like, if I was doing CPR, it would be really hard for me to deal with that mucus. And Martin's not really even trying to get the mucus away. It's not on him at all. Like, that's kind of weird. And, you know, but the neighbor can't really see the angle, you know, if Martin's giving CPR correctly or not. But he does notice that her chest is not rising during CPR. So that's kind of weird. And her color is just getting grayer and grayer. And so finally... They get help. Two police officers arrive. They start with CPR on her immediately. And they realize we're going to have a whole bunch of people coming in to work on her. And this bathroom is small. So they move her into the bedroom. And they start performing CPR on her in the bedroom. And once they start the CPR in the bedroom, they can kind of start hearing the gurgling in her lungs and in her stomach. That, you know, when somebody drowns, you get that gurgling sound and they usually expel that out of their lungs and their stomach so they can hear that and they can also see that her coloring is starting to get a little bit better She's starting to be pinker and the incisions around her face start to kind of bleed so they know that they're circulating they know that they're performing cpr correctly and eventually she does expel um several times um a lot of water 
on both of these officers, okay? And so usually when you do CPR on a patient like that, they that water comes up pretty quickly. Like as soon as you really initiate that, that happens pretty fast. So it's really interesting to me that that didn't happen until the cops came and started CPR. So it makes me wonder that maybe Martin's not doing CPR right. And while all this is happening, Martin is screaming. He is screaming and he's yelling and he's kind of scaring the officers to the point that they're like, we don't even know if we're safe at this point because he is like yelling and why God, why, why did you do this? And he's yelling at Michelle. He, at one point, um, a paramedic actually sees Martin punt, like hit Michelle in the chest with a closed fist. And the neighbor also witnesses that. Um, he's just being like, he's just being really aggressive and so one of the paramedics is like, you got to get out of here. So they pull him out. He's just a, a mess, okay? Um, he finally gets a hold of his children, has them come home, tells them about what's what's happened. Their mom passes away, and um, his kids are, like, devastated. And they're, like, trying to process this loss that their mom is gone. And Martin is so worried about what this is going to look like for him. He's worried about police investigation. In fact, he was so worried about police inv uh, police investigation. He had his daughter-in-law or his, uh, I don't know if she was married to her, his son or just dating the son, but he has her go and dump pills out, like gets rid of the pills, all this stuff. And he keeps telling his daughters, like, I need to show you how I found your mom. And he says, I found your mom bent over the bathtub. And he shows that mom's body is inside the bathtub, but her legs are still on the outside which is not how everyone else claim that they found Michelle. Like he keeps, you know, changing his story about how she's found. And it's just like super important for him to have this story. And daughters are like, why are you telling us this? Like, we're just trying to process mom's death. And like, he's just acting super bizarre. And again, he just gets more and more bizarre from here. So he decides like, we have to have an autopsy right away. We have to have a funeral right away. And they get a funeral schedule. So she dies on Wednesday. They have the funeral Saturday. And the girls are like, we are not even ready for this funeral. Like, I don't think, you know, we should be having it this soon. There's so much, there's so much grieving we need to do first before we can say goodbye to mom. But he's like, no, we're going to have this funeral. Not only does he have this funeral, but he threatens Michelle's family, her siblings. If you come to it like I'm gonna have you escorted out her family is not even allowed to be at this funeral like that's just the kind of guy he is but you want to know who does show up to the funeral you betcha it's Gypsy Willis and Gypsy Willis comes to the funeral not only is she there she is sending him text messages and from what I understand she's sending him suggestive text messages during his wife's funeral um, there is an interview on 2020 that I saw with her on it. And if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. It's like, it's called a perfect nanny. Watch the interview. It's so interesting. And it's fun to watch the, um, reporter interviewing <laughs> Gypsy because Gypsy's just a crappy person. And like this reporter is letting her know it. So anyways, it's really good. You got to watch it. But and, so Gypsy comes to the funeral and she's kind of discreet. She stays in the back. Um, but the daughters do notice this strange woman, but they don't really think a whole lot of it um, until a little bit later on. 
Now, Martin, he is really worried about his daughters, his younger daughters. And he's like, these girls need a nanny and we, we've got to get this figured out. And Alexis and Rachel are like, dad, we got you covered. We'll quit our jobs. We're going to take care of the girls for you. And like, we got this. And he's like, don't you dare. Don't you even dare. I'm going to get a nanny. And he's like, pretty much puts a stop to like, we're definitely getting a nanny. So he invites Rachel to the temple. And if you're LDS, you know that a lot of times people will go to the temple to kind of receive revelation about things that they need to do in their life. So that is what he, his intention is. He takes Rachel to the temple or invites her to meet him at the temple so that he can have a revelation on a nanny for his children. So Rachel goes to the temple and she's waiting for her dad inside and he doesn't show up and she's like, what is going on? And so she's like, well, maybe he's still at his work. So she leaves the temple and his work is just across the street. So she heads that way and he calls her up and he's like being kind of a jerk. He's like, where the heck are you? Like, I've been waiting for you and you're not here. And she's like, well, I've been waiting for you in the temple and I haven't seen you. And he's like, I'm sitting on the bench and like, we're not going in the temple. We're just going to sit on the bench. And she's like, that's kind of weird. Because Hi guys. So we had a little bit of a technical difficulty but don't you worry, I got you guys covered. I still know the story. So anyways, we leave off. Martin is sitting on the bench and he is super ticked off at Rachel because she did not read his mind about meeting him inside of the temple. And now if you are not familiar with the LDS faith, a lot of times they'll go to the temple to receive like personal revelation. It's just, or give them some peace. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people go to the temple. And so he was, in my opinion, exploiting the LDS faith um, here, saying that he was looking for some divine intervention. I don't know. He exploits his daughters at this point. Like, he exploits the church and everything right here. I just, it's kind of gross. Like, he's gross. But anyways, so they're sitting there and they're talking about getting a nanny for the girls when God's grace, a brunette chick comes walking up to them. She is an answer to Martin's prayers for a nanny. She walks up to Rachel and Martin and she innocently says, Oh, hi, I was at the funeral and I am so sorry for your loss. And Martin is like, Oh, <laughs> what is your name? That's so sweet of you. And she's like, I am it's Jillian, you guys. So anyways, Rachel's like, okay, hi, hi, Jillian. Like, thank you. And, you know, Rachel's kind of ready to go back to talking to her dad about why they're there. And Jillian just kind of keeps pushing herself on Rachel and on Martin and completely pretending like she has no clue who he is or who Rachel is. And, um, Martin's like, you know, I got to use the restroom. I got to go. So Martin goes to the restroom and Jillian continues talking to Rachel about nursing school. And I think that's where we left off. So I'm just going to put you back into your regularly scheduled program. So Jillian is talking to Rachel about nursing school and like, hey, you know, I, I did nursing school I can give you information. In fact, I've got the information for you in my car. I can get, go get it for you. And Rachel's like, you know, 
my mom just died. I'm really struggling. I'm really not interested in this right now. And Jillian just kind of pushes this and pushes this. And so Rachel's kind of annoyed. So Martin comes back. He's been gone for a while and Rachel's kind of annoyed that her dad was gone for so long. He comes back and he like asks this woman, Jillian, like our, you know, lady, what's your name? And she's like, oh, it's Jillian, dad, you know, she already told you this, you know, she just thinks that the whole situation is kind of strange. And he's like, well, it was nice to meet you. You know, I think it's great that you have the same interest in my daughter. Can I get your phone number? Let me get your phone number. And maybe you guys can go to lunch sometime. And right. Rachel, after Jillian leaves, is like, I'm not, like, going out to lunches with this with this chick. Like, I want nothing to do with this. But Martin, like, is kind of pushing the issue. So they go home, and he announces to the girls a few days later that he's put out some ads for nannies and that he's going to interview some. And only one applicant shows up for these interviews, okay, for a nanny. And guess who our applicant is? You betcha. It's Jillian. So Jillian comes in and Alexis is like, is this Jillian Gypsy Willis? Like Gypsy Jillian Willis? Like I know this name. Mom thought you were having an affair with this woman and you are not hiring her as a nanny. And Martin's like, that's not true. Like I'm hiring her. So Martin hires Gypsy to be his nanny. And Gypsy is not really a nanny to these kids, as you can imagine. She's more of a nanny for Martin. She really doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. The daughters are really noticing this. Um, he, Martin kicks Alexis kind of out of the house. Like, you're not being supportive. Don't come around. And Rachel is like, at this point, Rachel's really sus suspicious. Like, this is weird. I'm kind of believing what Alexis is telling me. I see that this woman is sneaking into my dad's bedroom at night. Like, this is weird. And so she approaches her dad and her dad's like, you know what? It's either, if it comes down to Gypsy or the kids, I'm picking Gypsy. So he throws the girls out of the house. He's done with his daughters, tells them to leave. And like, they're not even allowed to get their things. Like he kicks them out. One of the daughters is barefoot. They don't have their phones. He throws them out of the house. Like that's how mad he is because they don't like his nanny, okay? So at this point, the girls are like, okay, something's not right. The autopsy report comes back, shows that mom dies of natural causes. And at this point, Alexis is like, I know my dad killed my mom. And she's really, really disappointed by these autopsy reports. So she decides to kind of launch an investigation on her dad. Like she's sure that he's guilty and so she's trying to kind of get attention and she's working really hard in the meantime martin decides he's gonna take his daughter giselle to ukraine back to ukraine just for a couple of months he takes her to ukraine and he leaves her there and he he makes sure that the passport comes back to the united states with him and he leaves giselle there for like he's not planning on coming back to get her but everyone thinks that she'll be back in a couple months um, including Giselle. She has no idea that she's not coming back. With the other daughters, he takes them to California and he's like, I'm, I'm going to adopt these girls out. And so he finds a family who's willing to adopt them. And he tells Alexis and Rachel, I'm adopting the girls, this family. 
and there's nothing you can do about it. And Alexis is like over my dead body. So she starts fighting for the girls. Okay. So while all this is going on, Gypsy and Martin, they do like, like this puts everything else that he did to shame as far as the fraud stuff goes. I think he takes all of Giselle's information and he steals her identity and he gives Gypsy Giselle's identity. And so she becomes Gypsy or Giselle McNeil, Martin's wife. And the gross part about this is, is they date their wedding date for the same day that they buried Michelle. Like that is how disgusting this man is. So Gypsy is now Giselle, his, his wife. And so at this point, Alexis is starting to kind of raise a fuss. Like she's certain that her dad murdered her mom. And I, this is the point where I start to see newspaper articles. I start to see on the news that the, the, the girls are thinking, well, I thought clear back in 2007, like this guy killed his wife. And now they're starting to be loud. So I'm like cheering them on because it like, I, okay. So for me, I'm not the kind of person that I try to play, play the devil's advocate. I'm not like jumping on somebody being guilty until they give me a reason to really think that they're guilty. But with Martin McNeil, like immediately before anybody else thought he was guilty, I was like, that guy freaking murdered his wife. There's no way this woman went in for plastic surgery and died. Like I just, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that. So when his daughters started to kind of get noisy about this, I was like rooting for them. Another thing that happened to Alexa, Alexis right after her mom died is that Martin actually molested her. Um, he sexually assaulted her just days after her mom died. And so she presses charges against her dad over this. And she, for a while, actually, she kind of threatens her dad. Like, if you don't give me the girls, I'm pressing charges. She eventually presses charges against him. And um, yeah, it's kind of just like a really sad thing that has to happen. Eventually, they start getting attention um, from investigators. And the investigators are like, something weird is up. He gets caught for um, the whole Giselle social security thing because Giselle sitting in Ukraine, Michelle's family starts to like wonder why hasn't this little girl come back? So her her sister and her cousin go over to Ukraine and they get her and they find her in horrendous living situations and they bring her back and they realize like this girl's identity, her social security number, everything was taken by Gypsy. So Martin gets put in jail for four years. And while Martin's in jail for four years, they know that they have a lot of work to do. They cannot let him out on the streets. Like if he's capable of doing those kinds of things, maybe he is capable of killing his their mom like there's a lot going on here so they start to really put together all this evidence the girls are working on it um, Michelle's sister and her daughter are working on this and they start really getting loud they're going to investigators and at first nobody's really listening to them but they do come across a couple of, of investigators who are willing to help them out and they the investigators are looking through one of them is his name is Whitley and he is Doug Whitley and he's amazing. Like he's really digs into special cases and he gets Michelle's um, case and he's looking through it and he's like, you know, I, I think that she could have died from an overdose or something like there's just so many things. I don't think she could have drowned on her own. Like 
there's just a lot of things going on here. So he starts to really look at all this information that Alexis and Rachel have gathered. And he notices a note from Michelle's mom. And it talks about one day Martin had left a seal, like a school seal and a letterhead in her car. And she thought that was really weird because it was from the school that he did his med school through. And so that's like a big red flag that maybe like Martin's schooling isn't what it, they had thought. So this investor, investigator really gets into it. Like he's got the best job in the world. Like this is the dream job where you get to like really dig in somebody's past and like figure out what the heck they're doing wrong. So he digs into this and he realizes like all, all of Martin's life has been like this big, huge lie. Like he didn't really go to med school. Like he is super cunning, super smart, but man, he is super bad guy. So they're realizing all these possibilities that this guy probably murdered his wife. And so while he's in jail, they're building a case, a murder case on him. Okay. So at some point, Martin admits to some inmates that he murdered Michelle and, um, it's really interesting how that plays out because he, some of them, he won't admit to it. Some of them, he calls Michelle, he says Michelle's a bitch and he's so glad she's dead and that he's in love with Gypsy. And this whole time he's writing Gypsy love notes. Finally, Martin gets out of prison and he is arrested several months later, goes right back to prison or jail for murder. And during all of the trial, the trial is so good. It's on YouTube. It was one of the very first trials that they did live in Utah. And it's really neat because you can really like go through it. There's two weeks worth of trial. So if you have some time, you should really get into it because it's really good. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is Anna. So we've talked about Anna before. Um, I feel like this is kind of to give you an idea of what a liar and how manipulative and how awful Martin was. So he had talked to Anna about possibly killing, you know, his trying to kill his mom and his brother. But the thing is, is his brother actually didn't die in a bathtub. He died on a toilet with a heroin needle in his arm. So there's no evidence. He's never ever charged for these murders or attempted murders um, or mercy killings or anything like that because there's no evidence of this. And a lot of what really happened goes against what Martin had told Anna. Now, I think that Martin probably told Anna these things because first off, she had a lot of mental illness. Like she has multiple personality disorders and um, she also had where like, you know how some women get into serial killers and like are way, like they like that sort of thing and it turns them on. That's kind of how Anna was. Like she really, really liked the idea that he was into murder and these things were like sexy to her. And so I think he probably possibly didn't murder these people. He was just saying this to Anna because that's what she wanted to hear. And so he's just a gross manipulative guy. And so it's hard to know. It's hard to know if he really had any of the um, bipolar and schizophrenia that he said he had. Um, I wonder his, his son Damien had some problems and he ended up committing suicide because he was um, hearing voices in his head and like had these ideas about murder. So it's possible maybe he that's something that he got from his, his dad. I'm not really sure. So it just makes me wonder like, what the heck? Um, Martin, there's all these different accounts of how they they found Michelle. Um, that they, they, they're able to kind of find these inconsistencies and they're able to convict Martin of murder. 
in the first degree. And so he spends 15 to life in prison. And a few years into his um, his sentencing, he commits suicide. So his story kind of ends there. Gypsy's still in the picture. Um, it's interesting to me because during the whole trial of Martin, he's really stoic. He has no emotion, even when his daughters are... Um, testifying against him like he really does he just seems kind of just like he can't be bothered but when gypsy gets on there he cries and he's like all this emotion for gypsy so i don't know i think that it's interesting that gypsy did not she didn't get in trouble for michelle's murder and i kind of just think that maybe that is i don't know i just kind of wonder if she has something to do with it and i'm really curious what you guys think you should look up some of the gypsy um, there's like a lot of interviews with her. Maybe tell me what you think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just kind of wonder, I think that she's capable of murder. Her family thinks that she's capable of it. So do you think that Gypsy got away with murder? So you have to tell me in your, the comments what your thoughts are on that. Cause I think it's interesting, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad ending to the story. Um, Alexis does get those kids. She is raising them. The family, you know, Damien commits suicide the whole family just this perfect beautiful family really has all these struggles after this and it just makes me so sad for them but they're wonderful and I think it's amazing that they're that Michelle's daughters worked for justice for Michelle and really um they were her voice and I think that they're so brave and I hope someday to be able to shake their hands and say how brave they are and how amazing they are because that's what I would do for my mom like I don't know. We just have to make sure that we're the voices for small people, you guys. So that is my story. It's a long story. So um, thank you for listening. <laughs> I would like for you to like and comment and subscribe and ring the little bell. Um, follow me on, on Instagram and Facebook, but mostly follow me on YouTube because that's where I'm going to put other content, not just the stories. There's going to be lots of fun things on here for you. So please make sure that you subscribe because I want to continue to share content with you guys. But anyways, um, I hope you guys have a good night. Thanks. Wait, wait, guys. I got some more details for you. I was up all night long last night, and I was like, I didn't talk. Like, we really did not dive into. He almost got away with murder, you guys. There was not an investigation done, and we didn't really talk about that. And I have some of the details, so... I want to share them with you really, really fast if you guys are cool with that. Sorry, let me just get adjusted here. So anyways, okay, so Martin almost got away with murder. Like, it was almost the perfect murder. And, like, it just blows my mind because there are so many inconsistencies from the very beginning of, of it. And it wasn't, like, suspicious, which I think is weird. Um, one of the things was his account of how he found Michelle and everyone else's accounts of how they found Michelle. I think I kind of already talked about this. Were different. Like that alone should have been like a red flag, I think. Um, I don't really think they even interviewed or really did a formal interview with everyone that was there. So maybe they didn't even realize there were inconsistencies until later on. Um, another thing that I thought was really kind of strange was we talked about um, the CPR and how, like, she had to expel the water out of the lungs. If that information had been, had been taken to the medical examiner, she 
the medical examiner would have considered it a drowning possibly because she didn't know. She didn't know that that water had been expelled. There was no evidence of that. And that you would think that that report would have gone along. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't understand how all that works. So one day I will have a medical examiner come on and we'll talk about that kind of stuff. But I think that that's like a, an important detail that you think that they would be like, yo, she expelled water when we, when we were working on her. And so, you know, that's something to consider. Um, another thing is, is she had all of those drugs in her system and they thought mm, there's probably not contributing factor. Um, later on, it was actually, they, they kind of looked at it again and they were like, actually, this is, this could have been a big problem, a big issue could totally made it easy for him to drown her. So anyways, I think that it is interesting. There's other consistencies as well about what she was wearing. Nobody remembers exactly what she was wearing because they, nobody was interviewed. Nobody had, like that wasn't really put on the record right away because I don't know. I don't know if it was just because he was a doctor or why, but there's a lot of things I felt like they could have done better with the investigation. And I'm not trying to be like an armchair expert but I just feel like it's just one of those things that you would think they'd be thorough when a 50-year-old 50 woman just dies of cardiac arrest. Like, that that's definitely something to look into. She was really healthy. By all other accounts, she just had, um, like, she'd just been looked at. They said that she does maybe have high blood pressure. But really, like, it was shocking to everyone that she died. So those are some things that kind of went into it. So I really feel like had the medical examiner had more of that information, I think that they probably would have gone on to, you know, investigating it a little bit further and realizing that, oh, this guy really probably murdered his wife. And also I think that like he, I don't know, I just think his behavior during all of it, he's yelling at the, the paramedics, he's yelling at the police, he's yelling at Michelle, he's angry, He's he hits Michelle at one point, like we kind of talked about that. Um, you would just think that that would be not normal behavior for a doctor who has been through this, who's seen people go into cardiac arrest, who's been there when people have coded, but he's handling this situation the way he is. So it's just really strange to me that nobody like threw up those red flags. Nobody really like pushed further to see like if there's more to the story, but anyways. I just wanted to share that because I thought that was interesting. And yeah, so thank you for letting me interrupt you guys. Have a good night. Bye.